Our speaker, Elias Capello, will be speaking here in a few moments, and here's a few words about him. Uh, Eli spent his undergrad years here at Centenary and at All Souls, and is the past president and basically the person who got it off the ground, founder of the Louisiana Trans Advocates Shreveport chapter that meets in our church every uh, The group meets in our church every Sunday, first Sunday of the month at 1.30. Uh, Eli is now a PhD candidate. He earned his master's degree in anthropology at the University of Massachusetts Amherst and is currently living in Atlanta, continuing his studies and research for his doctoral dissertation on the way that trans and queer people create community in the Deep South. He is back with us today during Pride Month to talk about that work. Let us welcome Eli back to All Souls. but it's really meaningful to be up here in front of you today. Because um, the first time I came to All Souls, I was 17 and um, really bitter about the world. Um, and, uh, okay. Um, but today, I'm happy uh, to be here today to speak with you uh, spiritually and intellectually about love. Um, love is one of our favorite words as humans. When we are infants, outside of what we might call the people who are raising us, one of the next words we learn is love. We use love as a word willingly and almost disposably. We yearn for love, to be loved better, and to love better. We might yearn for a loving society. When many of you woke up this morning, whether you were explicitly looking for it or not, you came here because you were looking for love. You were looking for ways to foster new or old connections, navigating friendships, spaces of intimacy on a journey that you are on to be more connected to the planet. But as many of us already know, love as a practice and as a coalition, a commitment to values and carrying out love is much harder. And unfortunately, love as a political statement just doesn't work. Love as a political statement can sometimes be broad, vague, and meaningless without substantial action or reparation. As I spend time in more and more white moderate neighborhoods and communities, I've seen up close and been a part of spaces that, that signal in various ways love is love, particularly as applied to this month as LGBT Pride Month. We might see signs with love is love along with similar slogans of white liberalism, diversity is welcome here, and science is real. But just like dedication to science and diversity, love is dedication over time. As part of my doctoral work, I practice being present. As an anthropologist and an ethnographer, I quite simply study humans and write about them and get paid to do that. We often think of research working on a STEM model that an expert puts forth a hypothesis, collects data, and evaluates that hypothesis. That might work for cells of bacteria in a petri dish or a protein analysis, but it doesn't work for humans. And it especially does not work for hard questions of community, safety, and love for trans people, as I'm concerned with in my dissertation. That's not how communities work, and that's not how love works. 
As a student of ethnography, I spend a lot of my time observing people, talking to people, and listening. Being present is a lot of work. When done correctly and intentionally, you have to decide what you will make space for in your life. What story, whose story, you will focus on is up to you as a research tool. In these spaces, in addition to the collection of articles and books I've read in queer theory and anthropology, I've begun to think of love as three things. Love as medicine, love as accountability, and love as slowness. Love as a practice is difficult. Intellectually, I'm inspired by the written words of Bell Hooks, Adrienne Marie Brown, and Adrienne Critcher, all black feminist scholars and activists who discuss at length the complicated notions of love and our interpersonal relationships, our relationships with institutions that shape society, and our relationships and coalitions trying to shift and uplift society. From what I'm learning, I want to share three verbs and actions of love that may help guide you in thinking about how we can build a world that's empowering of queer and trans folks. To start, love as medicine. To open up love as medicine, I want to begin to open space for speaking about how the society we live in expects men to be emotionally stunted and stoic. In particular, scholars and activists like Bell Hooks argue that the status and even the rewards of male privilege are not the same as being loved. She argues that to strip men of emotional capacity in our society, the patriarchy requires men to be feared and unlovable. I like to read a select pas passage from Bell Hooks, The Will to Change. There is only one emotion patriarchy values when expressed by men. That emotion is anger. Real men get mad. And their madness, no matter how violent or violating, is deemed natural, a positive expression of patriarchal masculinity. Anger is the best hiding place for anybody seeking to conceal pain or anguish of spirit. Let me give an example. We often judge men more for the statement my therapist said than we do I got angry at my boss for. We will never live in a loving society if masculine people cannot express a full range of healthy adult emotions. Often, I see progressives, including myself, trying to argue and reason with people who are dedicated to anger. And in this, we often allow men to be regularly mad. We love mad cis male activists. We love anger. We've started worshiping it all the while stifling the justified anger of the oppressed. I pose this loving question. What does a broad range of masculine emotions look like? I don't know. Even at the age of 25, I don't know. The next part of love I want to talk about is accountability. Accountability is probably the hardest part of compassion and love. When we hold others accountable, we are often attacked as a person creating the structural inequality or the problem at hand. As my nephew quotes the wise old playground tale passed down through generations of kids, whoever smelt it, dealt it. <laughs> I often struggle with this 
I often struggled with this during my time as a college student at Centenary, pointing out the dehumanization I faced as an out-trans person in college while watching many of my out-trans friends drop out or outright refuse college was as if I created the problems I was facing. I became convinced that people took a breath of fresh air when I left for graduate school because of all the way, little ways we as a society made it seem like trans people were to blame for our own struggles. If we just took up a little less gender, a little less space, if we weren't as outspoken, we wouldn't be targets. This type of victim blaming is very unloving. It is a denial of community accountability that would push our society forward to a more loving and just society. Denial of accountability is not a denial of equality. Rather, it is a denial of justice. Everyone loves equality. Equality is easy, especially when defined by those in power. Accountability is one of the stepping stones on the paths of unconditional love. When we hold each other's, when we hold, when others hold us accountable, or when we hold ourselves accountable, we act as the loving people we are, the loving people we seek to be. The last part of unconditional love that I want to speak about is love as slowness. Under capitalism, we are expected to constantly produce, buy, or sell, or some combination of all three in order to survive, to support ourselves, and to support our families. With this, we run on faster and faster time. We, ex we begin to expect things instantly. And when we do not get things instantly, we see ourselves as failures. But this is not love. Love is slowness. I do not mean slowness as just a measurement of time, but also intention. Moving intentionally is moving slow. With slowness, I think of something I was once told by my therapist. That our first inner dialogue response to an event or to someone is our learning. That's how we were raised. But how we respond, how we vocalize, that is who we are. So often in our society, we assumed to be static, that we must have a natural setting on love when we were young, and as adults, we had bad stuff happen to us, so we have to return to love. But I actually think love, unconditional love, is something that we actively grow towards as we age. We get better with age. I actually think most children are not good at unconditional love. <coughs> and are grasping for role models to learn how. This is slowness. This is slowness over generations. Slowness is laying the groundwork of fruits you will not see. Slowness also allows for a non-linearity in love. We often think of things as a slow progress to whatever our end goal is. This is often how we think of LGBT justice in the country. But slowness, is more like a series of loops, and sometimes you have to be willing to go back to your starting point in order to live your life in a loving way to yourself and those around you. To close, I want to finish speaking with MOK's warning of white moderates. As white moderates, we love to promote broad regimes and professions and generalizations of love. We might proudly profess that love is love, and with these narratives, all love is broad, unspoken, unmarked, assumed, 
and that all love is equal. But not all love is equal. There are unhealthy forms of love and connection, unproductive and solitary. There is love focused on service and what we can do for others. But there is also a conflation of love with suffering through punishment rather than solutions to our society. To the point where we cannot imagine solutions to the smallest of infractions, let alone imagine solutions to what we might consider criminal. As Martin Luther King Jr. once wrote, I must confess that over the past few years, I've been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I've almost reached the regrettable conclusion that our greatest stumbling block in our strides forward to freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klaner, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods of direct action, who paternalistically, paternalistically sorry, believes he can set the timetable for another man's freedom, who lives by a mythical concept of time and who constantly advises the black man to wait for a more convenient season. Love is more than a definition. It is more than a profession. Love is more than just inconvenience. Love is institutional change. Love is decolonization. Love is reparations. We live in a world where we are expected to love unconditionally. We're, but we are supposed to live with and under conditions that restrain, limit, and punish radical forms of love. In this way, love acts as an unanswered and ongoing question that we must ask of ourselves and those we proclaim to love. Thank you.